the thunderstorms in Florida are freaking nuts. I have never lived in a state where the thunder is so loud that it shakes the floor beneath you. It's amazing, I love it. This, the power of nature is a awe-inspiring thing. This is How to Build a Tent. Welcome to the show, the podcast on how to make you successful and how to handle being successful and what to expect when you become successful. We'll talk about some of those things today. We are part of the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. My name is Matt Williams. If I didn't say that already, we are part of the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Go over to fightlaughfeast.com. Put in HTBT in the memo field and you will get a sweet HTBT mug, 15 ounce mug, a big one, it's huge. Fits all four fingers of a really big handed man like myself. And you also might get a pint glass if they're still left. Those are going really quick. So the best value you could possibly have is right now. You get free stuff right off the bat and then you get tons of exclusive content for as long as your subscription lasts, which there's just tons of amazing stuff like a whole, I think it's eight part course on sales, which for those of you who are in sales or those of you being sold to, which is everybody in a capitalist society, in a private economy and private market, then you should know how the sales process goes. So get over to fightlaughfeast.com, put an HTBT in the memo field, you'll get tons of great stuff. If you have any questions, comments, you want to reach out to me, a lot of you have been reaching out to me about that yesterday's show. Really appreciate that. Don't do the old aging face app thing. You are losing all of your privacy and you're giving up so much. Don't do it. Appreciate everyone who shared the show and reached out to me on that one. If you haven't, re if you haven't checked that one out, you should probably check it out, especially if you like doing those Disney quizzes and those aging apps and all that nonsense. You can all, did I say, if yeah, you can find me how to build a tent on all the sites and you can click the link below. You can email me, matt at howtobuildatent.com. I wanna talk about something that was really sad. Joshua Harris, not even sure who it is. I was talking with somebody actually about the face app and then they wanted to know my thoughts about Joshua Harris. And honestly, the name was familiar, but I didn't, couldn't really put a finger on who this was. And if you were like me, you're like, oh, that name sounds familiar or you're already caught up because this news broke yesterday about what it is. Joshua Harris, he was the one who wrote the book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. And my wife was talking to me about it before the show saying that I guess he like went back on it and said that it wasn't good or the advice, you shouldn't follow the advice anymore. I don't know, I didn't read the book. And when that book was all big and all the rage in the Christian community, I just didn't really care about reading books that were all the rage in the Christian community. And I guess dating goodbye seemed really dumb to me at the time I was in high school, which was probably a reason I should have read it. But again, I don't know. I don't know what the book was about, so I can't tell you one way or another if it was good advice, good book, not a book, not a good book, but he was extremely successful and what is so sad is that him and his wife are getting a divorce and that's been trending and it's been trending because so many people hate him and they're tr and they're hating him in this way they're celebrating the end of their marriage they're celebrating that he was wrong for that book and they're celebrating that he's going through pain that they allege he caused through writing this book. Again, I don't know anything about this book. I never read it. But it's a great moment in time for all of us 
to acknowledge, to realize that success comes with a price and you're gonna get your share of haters. There's gonna be a lot of haters. I've had a few in my life as well. And if you don't fear man and you are focused on God, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. And you should be able to get through it pretty easily, but it is hard to not let these things affect you. And I want you, for those of you who aren't successful yet and will become someday, to prepare yourself and to make sure that you are grounded in your faith, that you are focused on God and you are doing what is right. And I'm again, I'm not even saying doing what is right, like he wrote something wrong in the book. I have no idea what the book is about. I guess it's apparently about courting instead of dating, which doesn't seem like something that would ruin people's lives. But these people are blaming him for ruining their lives, their relationships, and other people. And what I found and just what I'm looking at through the Twitterverse is that these are people that were Christians or grew up in the Christian community and left and are no longer even Christians. Because let's just be honest, if you are loving God, if you are wanting to uphold his standards of truth, if you want to see people come to know Jesus, you're not celebrating divorce. You're not celebrating the death of the relationship. And it reminds me of such a common verse that it's becoming just my favorite verse, not because it's fun or it promises me like all these good things, but it really helps me make sense of this world. The verse is something to the effect of is this, that if you hate God, you love death. And I think it says, God is saying, those who hate me love death. I think that's the exact quote of it. And that just makes so much sense with killing babies, with celebrating people going through divorce. People love death. They love people's misery. They love to see people suffer. And it's so heartbreaking. I don't care if he wrote a book that was blasphemous. Like, and I don't care if he wrote a book that I gave the worst advice in the world. Like, I don't want people to be hurt by sin. I don't want people's relationships to end. I want them to come to repentance. I want them to change their mind. But I don't want their marriages to end. I don't want injury to befall on them. In fact, that is why we preach repentance is so the consequences of sin won't impact you. But because of the success he had in the book, because people are angry and hate God, they love death and they love to see his suffering. And I saw even one tweet of somebody who went through divorce and is glad because they went through divorce. They're glad to see that Joshua Harris is going through divorce. It's the most sad thing in the world. And the last thing I want to say about this, and this is key, and I hope you hear this wherever you are. There's tons of people blaming him for their bad relationships. Now, again, I don't even care if he gave you bad advice. I don't care if you were a teenager. If you're a teenager, you are responsible for your actions. You know enough or should know enough to be able to discern right and wrong. And if you can't, then you have some parental issues, I'm sure, of your parents failing you. You are failing yourself by not taking responsibility for yourself. And this is what I want you to hear is that as long as you are going to be blaming others for your mistakes, for your problems, for your issues, you're never going to be successful because you're never going to take ownership of your circumstances, of the results of your life, and then fix them. 
You won't. You'll continue to blame other people and expect other people to change to change your results in life. And that's not how life works. That is not how you are going to be successful. So for those of you blaming Joshua Harris for your poor relationships, for your divorces, whatever it is, for those of you blaming me for your bad business decisions, I don't know. No one is, honestly, I'm just saying. If you're out there, I don't. you probably wouldn't even be listening to this podcast if that was the case. But if you're blaming pastors for their infidelity and causing you to just crush your faith in God because of their infidelity, whatever it is, if you're not taking ownership for your own life, your own walk with God, and your own success, then you need to change, not other people. You need to repent. You need to take ownership. You need to take responsibility for yourself. And one thing about pastors, for those of you who feel like your faith is ruined because a sin of a pastor is the exact amount of idolatry that you have for that person over God. It should not rock your faith at all when somebody else sins because your faith is, shouldn't be in those people. It shouldn't be in your pastor, deacon, elder, hero, mentor, anyone. It should be in Christ alone. Christ alone. And if your faith is in Christ alone in his word, then you'll know people are sinful and you know people make mistakes and you will not be rocked by it. It's sad. It's heartbreaking. It can definitely shake you up, but it shouldn't impact your relationship with God. And I just want to say that over and over again because we see infidelity over and over again. We see pastors failing, sinning because they're human. They're just as human as we are, but they have such a high standard to uphold. They can't always do it. And we need to be prepared for it. We need to be there to help them. We need to be able to help them come to repentance, help them be restored. And it's time for us to put on our servant boots and our heart of ministry and pay back those people that have done good work but have stumbled and can't be expecting them to carry us through life and carry us through our relationship with God the whole time. All right, I'm going way off track. I did not expect to go down that route. I apologize for it. Let's talk about some good news. We have a booming manufacturing report, which some people are freaking out about because the Fed might not raise rates, but I think they're definitely going to raise rates. I don't know how you can go back. I don't care if like it's the best economy in the world, which it's pretty good but they're at least going to raise it a quarter point. I mean, some people are saying half a percent. That seems a little crazy to me, but it's at least going to be a quarter percent. But anyway, so the manufacturing index jumped from 0.3 in June to 21.8 in July. Now, give you some context, it was like Wall Street was expecting five points from 0.3 to five, from 0.3 to five, and it came, turned out to be 21.8. Now again, this manufacturing number can be volatile, but that is a huge, just four times the expectations. Huge, huge numbers. Our economy is really strong, I believe still. I don't see really many, many evidences of a weak economy, I see crazy Fed policy, but I don't see a crazy weak economy. Another thing that we've been seeing is the employment index is the highest it's been since 2017. The average work week tripled to 23, the best in 14 months, or 23 hours, sorry. Shipments jumped 24.9 from 16.6. I'm sorry, the average work week index was to 23, not 23 hours. Shipments jumped from 24.9 or to 24.9 from 16.6. So that was like an 8.3 jump. New orders were 
from 8.3 to 18.9, and then prices, which is an inflation measure, went from 12.9 to 16.1. A really good manufacturing report from a standpoint of the health of the economy. Now, like we've talked about before, we're in this really weird spot where the market reacts inversely, where when there's good news, the market goes down or, or it like gets startled because they think the Fed isn't gonna cut rates anymore. We're addicted to rate cuts like people are addicted to drugs. And then when the economy has bad news, then the Fed gets really, I mean, the market gets really happy because they think the Fed is gonna give them more drugs, which is more rate cuts. So that's the interesting place that we're in, but the manufacturing job report is good. And as long as the uh, economy continues to do well, Trump keeps, uh, you know, playing the political game well like he has been doing. I mean, man, he has just been doing a masterful job. Definitely making mistakes, but fighting through and just pulling the, pulling out victories from the jaws of defeat. Let me tell you, I'm so used to the Republicans pulling victory out of the, or pulling defeat out of the jaws of victory. Did I say that right? They're always getting defeated when they should be getting victorious. That it's weird to see like places where Trump should be defeated, but he comes out with a victory. It's incredible. It's more incredible than me blowing that uh, saying. <laughs> I, I want to talk about this, and this is another sad thing. I'm sorry for being so sad and having negative uh, news to talk about, but this is really important. And I actually looked this person up on Facebook, believe it or not. I did. I admit it. I Facebook stalked somebody. I'm not going to tell you who it is. But there is this article, and it says, what it's like to live on minimum wage it's a constant struggle. And this article is just so shocking to me because they are blaming the lack of success of this person, the poverty of this person on minimum wage, on their employer for not paying them enough, not on the situation and what this person brought them in. Again, this goes back to my point in the beginning of the show that you have to take responsibility for yourself. You can't blame it on your employer. You can't blame it on anybody else but yourself. You are responsible for yourself. You are smart, you're capable. God has created you with everything you need to do well in this life, walking in obedience with him. And when I mean well, I don't mean a millionaire, but I mean accomplishing what God has for you, which is good things. Now, this is the first case that CNBC cites, and then they go off, and they say two different stories. I'm just going to touch on one. And then they go off on all of the political minimum wage reasons they should you know, raise minimum wage, what's happening in politics, and they totally leverage these two anecdotal studies or anecdotal cases of these two people who are living in poverty on minimum wage and why Congress needs to act, which is just incredible for many reasons, and we'll get into that in a second. So this person, 28 years old, the article says, is a single mother, now she's 28, with six kids. She's 28 years old, single mother with six kids trying to survive in, on minimum wage in Kansas City, Missouri. One of her cousins has asthma, which is sad, and she estimates she's been to the emergency room for her kid six or seven times so far this year. But her cashier job at Church's Chicken doesn't come with paid time off, and every shift is essential. There's so many things wrong in this situation, and I tried to look it up. I tried to find out something about... This person, I looked, again, I face, 
Facebook stalker. And this is the only thing I can see on her profile. Everything else is private. This is what she said, and this could give us some indication of where she's at. The world owes us nothing, not money, not fame, not love. The only thing we are promised is death. We are, we are all alone in this world, and we are only created to be born to reproduce and to die. Everything else in this world is on us, whether we get a job or lose it, to get married or to get divorced, to be loved or to be hated. We are who we are and come and go as we come and go. I plan to live my life to the fullest, to stop making excuses. That's good. And then make, and take care of what I created. I can't force anything on someone that they don't want, whether it's kids, love or commitment. I am who I am. Maybe it's time for me to grow up take responsibility for my actions. Yes, it is. My love is for my kids. My body is for me and I will not allow another soul to make me feel otherwise. So no more. It's time to love what's loving me back. Okay. Now, typical worldly ideology, right? Convoluted. There's some stuff that's good. Take responsibility for yourself, but it seems like she's been divorced. I don't know. I'm assuming all these kids are with her husband. I don't know the situation, but let me tell you, the problem is not minimum wage. The problem is being a single mother with six kids at 28 years old. And perhaps it's unfair for me to judge her. I'm like, I'm not saying maybe she had all her kids with one guy and they had a great marriage. Maybe the guy left. She did everything right. But the problem then is with the father, not with her employer then there's no mention of that. There's no mention of the problem of this woman having to raise six kids and the father is not mentioned at all. Child support isn't mentioned at all. What happened to the father at all? I imagine if the father died, CNBC would can add that in to really reinforce the sympathy of this person. But here it is, and CNBC, our culture, the left wing of the, our political party, it's trying to skirt the responsibility this person has and blame it on the employer that they should be taking care of her, that it's the employer's fault she has six kids and that is a single mother and that her kids are going to the emergency room. Now, I'm not blaming her for the emergency room. Again, I don't know her story. But it's just shocking to me that the case in point is the absent father family with a single mom with six kids who is on Facebook saying that no one owes her anything, but obviously has some issues. And the problem is with the employer. Look, we're not gonna be a successful country. We're not gonna be successful community, individuals. If the problem that we see from this case that is brought up by CNBC is minimum wage. That is not going to create value. That's not going to help the single mother. It's not going to help these kids. It's not going to help anybody else that can relate to this story to be victims and to blame their employers for the problem. We need to be taking ownership for ourselves, which she kind of does say in her little Facebook post I just read. The world owes us nothing, not money, not fame, not love. But she did say she's all alone. And this is what I will say. If you do find yourself in this situation, if you are this person, 28 years old, single mother of six, working paycheck to paycheck, and you feel that you are all alone, I want you to know you are not, and that there is hope, and that there is a way out. Fall to your face and repent to Jesus and acknowledge him as Lord of your life and go get plugged into a church and have them help you. Now, if they don't help you, 
go to another church that will. Find a Bible-believing church that is serious about taking care of women and children. True and undefiled religion. There are people out here willing to help you for free because of God's love, because this is what the church is supposed to do. It is not an employer's role to do it. The employer's role is to make a profit for the stakeholders of the company, not to provide welfare. Now, if a company wants to do that as part of their business model and it works and all these things, that's fine. But raising minimum wage is going to hurt more people like this because there's not just one person with this story of working minimum wage. There's thousands of them. And if raising minimum wage is going to cut 500 jobs, then 500 of these situations that they're using as sob stories are going to be without work altogether. And then what's going to happen? They're going to go on the state dime and never get off of it because that's what happens nowadays. Once you're on the state dole, once you're on entitlements, you never lose them. When you're on unemployment, it's so hard to get off because you'll end up getting a job where you're making less than what the state and government is giving you. And so why would you do it? And it robs you of your dignity. Do not rely on the state. Do not rely on your employer to provide for you, but you have to take ownership of yourself. If you need help, go to the church and see what the pastor says. Have Talk to the pastor, talk to an elder, talk to a deacon, talk to whoever will talk to you and be humble and be repentant and be following God's lead and he will provide for you. He is God, not the government, not your employer, not some social program. All right, another weighty show. I hope you guys got some stuff from it. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow, which is today. I'm, this show is Thursday. Yep, we'll talk to you tomorrow.